This show may contain naughty language and explicit content. You have been warned. Welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Um, welcome to Face Hammer. This is a mini sode. We're going to talk about our hobby projects over the Christmas period, I think. Or, well, it's gone now, but there you go. My lack of hobby projects. <laughs> I've thought about different, different ones, potentially. Yeah, I think um, it's just, I should say the introduction properly, really. So it's me, Russ the Face, and Byron Fishyord, basically, <laughs> if you didn't know. That's just us. Um, just figured it'd be a bit easier as Les is moving and Terry's uh, putting your models together. So <laughs> <laughs> his hobby is basically your hobby at the moment. Yep. Um, yeah, so obviously Christmas period's just finishing. Um, it's all gone. My holiday's gone. I'll be back at work Monday. I don't want to be there. Um, and uh, I've been working on some stuff. So what have you been sort of doing recently? I've been... Doing not much, um, <laughs> debating what I should spend my time on. Were I to be not just sitting around eating Christmas food and drinking, so <laughs> basically that's it. I've put together some some super secret stuff. Oh, secret! Secret stuff. Well, yeah, but no one else. Like our group have been talking about one of my armies that I might do a lot, but no one else knows about it at all. Oh, okay. Are you keep. Uh, I didn't realise you were doing it as a secret. Uh, well, I wasn't. Noticed, I hadn't spoken about it at all. Um, like the staff know at work, and you guys know, but that's it. So that, that one might remain secret. But I popped together some models of those, and then sent off some battalions to Terry. Uh, <laughs> he's having fun assembling lots of infantry, which may be a bit of a giveaway of what the army is actually. Yeah. Battalions, um, and I've been. I'm completely undecided whether I want to put them together or carry on with my high elves. And the issue is, I started my halves at a silly high standard, which isn't very doable across infantry without wanting to kill yourself. And I'm trying to find another army to do fast. And the real issue currently is that I just keep looking at the demons again because I know them. I've already got a load of them painted and I could rattle through them at such a high speed if I wanted to. I know, like, I know how to do that. They're, if I'm going to give someone a painting lesson about how to airbrush fantasy mm. models, then I do it with a plague bearer. So I know well, that. Well, why aren't you doing that then? Are you just, is it, you just don't want to, or you, you're just doing something, well, do you want to do something different? Or? Part of it is Firestorm, because okay. we'll be taking the. So, yeah, good point. Like, if I am going to do an army, I, I want to do one that I could, uh, I could use it as much as possible. And the other armory I'm looking at isn't, it doesn't step on anyone's toes, team tournaments. And also, like, I've done them before, and as I think we'll come into it with most armies, comp is just a bit confused for everything currently. Like, you get an idea of what you want to do, and then you look at it, and then you look at something, and you immediately make a comparison to something else that is, is similar, but way better. So, Phoenix Spider, a good example. Um, 
perhaps because you you smash people at Bungoy with them, people have gone like, oh god, they're good. So now one, like for five wounds, you're paying one pull point currently, um, which is. Just I, I do actually think they probably were under comp, um, but the problem is the problem with we touched on it before the clash system is that they're not a one point five. But they're not a one for five. Are they one point five now? Uh, they are. It's it's one for five. Whereas before they were one point five for ten, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. So basically, they're saying I don't think they're a one for five, but they're not a, like a point five or a point seven five for five. It's kind of like it's kind of difficult. It's like you don't want to put them up to ten for one for two. That's too much. Yes. But that's what they've done technically. By reducing it, but it's not, not many wounds. That unit disappears extremely. I know they've got their save, but still, that unit disappears very, very fast to um, to many things. Uh, I think it's kind of the quirky, the nature of the, the pulls is that, and and like it sounds like oh, it's not a lot of difference, but when you multiply that across twenty men, that's that's a big difference. Oh yeah, and the, the moment you're considering an actual. Like a large unit by old standards rather than by new standards, and I do think that that is something that will happen to the game at some point in the near future. People will start running out thirties or or whatever of things. Then it's massive. It's absolutely huge. That's if they were a quarter overcomped. Then by the time you've got thirty of them, you could have I don't know, like pick any other core unit in high elves. Uh, you could have ten or fifteen of those. Mm. But then I think maybe there are some other things in the high elf book which are under. Which are undercomped. Um, it's kind of the thing about. I don't want to talk about comp in this hobby show, but it does drive the sort of the hobby that we're doing. It does drive the hobby that we're doing, and when I want to hobby because I want to paint, I look at something and think, well, if I paint 15 of those dudes up, that means that I have to have 10 less of other dudes, or no pretty monster, or no. One of the joys of having the 30. 30 pool choices and using 20 is that I can put things in just because they're pretty that I know I'll never use or that I'll only use in a game where I think it'll make a fun game or because my opponent's not got a competitive list or whatever um, they're, they're the ones that get knocked out by overcome things and that's a shame Yeah and I think you're um, you get to a point where you're like well I kind of want to I want to be to sort of plan my army out and it's very difficult to do that when the comp's moving around a bit and also the fact that you've I don't know, you just you kind of end up with this comp system where you're you're thinking, well, okay, well we'll do a hobby project. So you want it to look good as a hobby project, but then you also want it to be good on the table because you don't want to just go into a tournament and games just be irrelevant. Yes. Um is. and I think It's more twice than best painted. It's that balance, isn't it? And I, I, I find as well, best paint could be quite frustrating. Yeah, it can. If that's your objective, because it's just difficult to. You're less in control of best paint yeah. than you are of best player by a long margin. Because it's actually. so subjective, and yep. you know, rightly or wrongly, sometimes it, it's easy to feel a bit bitter about about that. I mean, I went into Blood and Glory really wanting to get a painting trophy and didn't walk away with any. Um, I did walk away with a, obviously a gaming trophy, but that wasn't my objective that I set for myself. So I was out, come away feeling a little bit aggrieved, but you know that's that's neither here nor there really. But I mean, I think from a hobby project, I mean, I've 
that had a little bit of a wobble. Um, but you're you're really sort of struggling, aren't you, to decide what you want to be doing? Yeah, I've just been spending all of my time on scroll builder. Some like I just find myself. Oh well, I've got painted out because I go back to them, and then realise you get nothing. Like, and I genuinely mean nothing. Um, and it, it just seems ridiculous uh, with with the price of some of the units in there. Uh, so I'll look at ogres, and then I'll flick to orcs and goblins, uh, and I've got some of the models. I'll look at completely changing how I'm approaching my high elves or whatever, and I'm going through churning out these attempts at things, but it it does make it difficult. And I know that we we were just talking about how. South Coast coming out could very well change everything. It's still, it's very difficult to just paint stuff in the knowledge that, and it probably will be absolutely fine in two months, three months, however long it's going to take to get finished, that when you do finish, the vast majority of it will be usable. It's still very hard to sit down and think like, right, I'm going to paint these 35 points that feel like they should be 25, and I'll just assume that in the near future that'll be okay. Which is that's the thing that's complicating stuff for me currently, as well as the main factor is just that my high elves take so long to do, and the stuff I want to add is infantry. So what I would say then is, is like, say you're you're currently basically looking for a new project, aren't you? Yeah. And you're talking I'm looking a lot for about a, a fast project. Yeah. So I was going to say, so what what's your objective then? You're looking at doing a quick project. I want a quick project with models I like and an army so my, my my golden period with the demons although I think they were a bit too too on the speed spectrum of, of mm. painting they looked good and they were distinctive but uh, I do I'd probably want to spend a little more time on those maybe through the mod uh, than I than I did on those sorry not on those maybe through conversions or whatever um, with that army I had an army that was flexible and I really enjoyed playing mm. and when I wanted to change things up I could paint Back in the day of the last edition, I could paint 300 points in basically an evening, and then my army would be completely different. I'd have a new unit try out, and I just did that again and again and again. I went to a lot of tournaments with them, maybe like 20, and pretty much every other tournament I attended, I had 300, 400 points in the army that had changed around, and I really liked that. And when I got to painting a new unit, it wasn't like, oh god, well. I can use this in three months. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. And I often did leave it to the last moment, but it got to the stage whereby I could paint three plague drones, six converted um, harpies, sorry, 12 converted harpies, and um, three Nurgling bases in six hours if I needed to. Yeah. And that was very nice. I don't quite need it to be at that ridiculous level, but I just want something where... It's enjoyable to play. The army looks good inherently. It's got some character. And if I want to change things up, I can change them up very doably. And the reason for wanting an army like that is I want my high elves to be my slow burn and something else to be a complete counterpoint for that. So I've got both ends of the hobby spectrum. Yeah, so is that in regard then? I mean, why a demon's not the thing you want to do? You just want to do something different because you've done it before. Well, no, I could do... I've been thinking of doing all slanesh. Um because I like chariots, though I hate building them. I could get Terry to build them. If <laughs> uh, <laughs> you send him another set of models, he'll be on to his third set now. Third, yeah, third army. He's got my Stormcasts, and then he's got the others, and then he'll be getting these. But um, I have done them before, and like I said, Firestorm is a bit of a consideration. Like, I don't want to take something, because we're probably going to be doing a couple of team tournaments, hopefully, throughout the year. Mm. It is definitely a consideration for me that 
that's Terry's army that he's doing, and it's probably he's not looking to change at any point in the near future. So it seems strange to choose an army where I've I've chosen it for flexibility in gaming and, and having fun, and I can't take it to maybe a quarter of the events that I'm looking to attend. Yeah, I I can see that. I mean, I I'm not so sure that um, it is difficult because team events are. I don't. I mean, I don't know how many they're going to be, but I honestly think the compendiums are just a thing of the going to be a thing of the past. Yeah. So, because because you can't, they're not really sustainable in terms of the compendiums are basically going to get phased out as new shit comes out. Yeah. Would they so, move it to the Grand Alliances though? Which yeah, is... but that's difficult, isn't it? Because so how do you do? Do you go? You can have one of each four, or do okay. you flip it on its head and say all your armies must, all the models must come from the same alliance? Yeah. So I you know. play it's order, interesting. but then you could have all the same. You could technically take four of the same list. Yeah, I don't. I I think people are looking to stop people from doing that. But then I don't know if you say. I don't know if it's too restrictive to say. Oh, you got to have one of each grand alliance. I think that'd be quite cool, actually. Yeah, but what it, you know, so, so for example, like that means that if someone's got a, like a warrior army, you would be able to take demons as well. Yeah. Which I don't know, just doesn't doesn't seem right. Well, comp is always restrictions, isn't it? I I have no idea how people would be going about it, but I think it's likely that for team tournaments, people potentially stick with the compendiums for just for ease of applications so you don't get repeated armies. It's less restrictive for people then, even though it's more restrictive, ironically. And there's a good chance it and I do love team tournaments. Like they're pretty much my favourite thing in this hobby. So taking an army that restricts them seems like a bit of a strange idea. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like um, if I was looking to only attend four events this year and there were four team events, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be any consideration. It'd just we be could I'll just go to those ones. team and then it'd be fine. <laughs> Easily, I'll get him to assemble me a demon army and then kick him off the team. Yeah, get replace him. That's why you've been replaced, Terry. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay. So that that that's obviously quite difficult then. But so, what about if you thought about doing some? I mean, like, we. I mean, it's quite ironic you're talking about quick projects because that's basically what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically your idea. <laughs> Bastardized, but um. So I mean, like, from have you thought about? Like, I mean, obviously, it might end up with a lot of people copying the sort of the scheme um, just to, for ease of getting art models on the table. Yeah. But I don't know if, if for you, like, you thought about doing, like, your vampire undead where you talk about doing those or... Yeah, I have a lot which is basically in in the scheme that you're going for. So on a team level, that would look awesome. Um, yeah, I I have thought about it quite a lot and... I've got the I've got the Savage Orc big boss model that I've been talking about, like basically the ghoul king that I want leading my army, the idea that I've had for the conversion, which is only very, it's a head swap, essentially, but I've not seen it done, um, is I want the Savage Orc big boss, the guy in the loincloth with a massive uh, like tribal axe. I want him with the ghoul king's head to be yeah. leading my army on foot. Would um, you still use the axe or would you swap the axe head out? I think, I think the axe would be kosher, actually. Uh, like, I don't think you'd have to change it for a glaive or anything. Slightly more undeady, just because the Gold King's pretty feral, and that looks like something you could paint it like bone. Yeah, I uh, didn't know whether you'd wanted to replace it with like one of the Crypt Horror Clubs or something. Yeah, you could do. 
Uh, um, definitely could do. The, the boss is huge. Like, yeah. He's a, he's a really, really big chap. I just thought, ever since I saw that model, I thought how cool it would be to use it for that purpose. And there is a really big temptation for me to start doing that. Now, again, though, you look at VC and especially the non-skeletal stuff. Oh, it's very heavily comped. Yeah, it's nailed. It's nailed. Because, the, um, because it assumes mindset. you're going to take all the synergy. But yeah. then because all the synergy is over-comped or comped, like it's almost like every single bit has had the synergy comp put into it, so it compounds if you take multiple things. Yeah, definitely. And then you end up with what then looks like... Then you end like up with a tiny little army. Because I found when I played Martin Morin, and he had the carnal pit, and I was just like, he just doesn't have enough men on the table. Yep. I said, it just feels like he's got... He hasn't got enough models. Um, so I understand what you're saying with that, but um, that'll be... I think that'll be less of an issue In the going future. forward. Also, I love the new Tomb King stuff. Absolutely. And you got some of it built, haven't you? Oh, you mean like the Morgasts? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have, I have like 12 of them. I do hate building. Well... <laughs> So let me know if you're after them because I am looking to sell some of my, my models. I need to get a, have a big clear out, um, which is basically by me saying I need to downsize, stop buying so many models. I've basically bought and built two armies in two months because that's what I do. I, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> so new game, everything everything's new and shiny, isn't it? That's the horrible, horrible thing about this. Like if there was. It would be even worse for me, and I don't know why anyone's not doing this at the moment, if there were more um, 15 total 10 played poor choice tournaments around, because I think that's a really good size to play AOS at. Yeah. If that was around, I'd just, like, literally, I'd be painting five armies at once. Especially with those new little box sets coming up. Oh, God, yeah. Have you seen yeah. this? Yep. Uh, get your Stegodon for absolutely nothing. Not Stegodon, sorry, Carnosaur. It, and it's the um, birthday weekend right now, isn't it? Yep. And then if you had a ticket for this elusive thing I didn't even know was happening, they're, apparently they're sending off all old box sets at 50% off. Wow. Because they've got square bases in them. So they're just flogging off all the old box sets at 50% off. Crazy. Which is nuts. Although the thing is, I'm not sure how they build this weekend, whatever it was. I'd imagine it's for the 40k players, though. No, I think it was just on the Warmer World website. So. Oh, really? You'll probably find people just be buying a load of shit to eBay. Yes, I'd imagine so. Um, I think it'd be weird if they've got any, like, Blight Kings on square bases and stuff, because you'd just be like, yoink. Yep. But, yeah. Well, I know I would anyway. So, that's enough of me, because basically everything I say is, I'm indecisive! So, on the spectrum, what did you decide to do? Why did you decide to do it? Get going. Oh, phone, phone. Should turn that off already. Um, so, uh, basically, I decided to. I want to do a, a bit like what you're saying, an army that's quick to paint, um, striking, striking, and um, takes little effort to add to. Um, I'm kind of loving the the gaming side, and I want to. There's so much I want to try out. I just want to be able to get models on the table to play with. So um, I was what I was trying to do as well is that to do this sort of thing, I wanted to do like a high concept army. So a bit like what you've done before with the guild ball models and stuff like that. And Tony Moore as well, he sort of executed the idea. Um, not, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, to him, it, it's, it, I think it's a really nice army, but obviously 
I looked at it and went, I know I can do it well. I can do a, a better job of it, but it's not it's not about that. It's just about I want to do a high concept army. I can get models on the table. Yep. Um, well, Tony Tony came to me three yeah. weeks before Blood and Glory and said, if you were doing vampire counts, how would you do them? And he had to look fairly good as fast as possible. And I basically gave him an ingredients list and a sequence to do things in, and he smashed it. Yeah, and it looked really good. Um, and I think he's really happy with it. And what I like about the AOS and the way the comp's moving as well, if you go, oh, I really want to add this unit, you don't want to be like your high elf situation where you're going, yeah, I need to add this unit, it's going to take me four weeks. Yeah. You need to be able to go, I want to add this unit, I've got, an e- I've got two evenings, right, it's done. Um, Lots of units are smaller, which makes that more doable. It's not like, oh, God, I need, need 40 dudes. Um, yeah, which yeah, is nice. totally. And and for me, like, well, the biggest thing for me at the moment is that um, I had a load of, like, so Stormcast Eternals, I basically, I played, as I sort of mentioned on another show, I played, like, Pete Foley's, they were using Bed Johnson's army. I saw how they played on the to- on the tabletop, and that really appeals to me, the way they play. So I went, I, I just did a buy an army, bought an army, built it, went to a tournament, won the tournament. And then I, the idea is the quick and dirty paint job, which basically is sort of based loosely around like Frank Miller, um, who's a comic book artist. People probably know it more commonly as like Sin City and 300, where it's a lot of like grayscale with like red as an accent color. And so it's just red is very vibrant and everything else is dull sort of grayscale. So I was going to do my Stormcast army in that sort of theme. Um, but after assembling the models, they don't have a lot of detail on them. Which is a good thing. But yeah, it is. They've got in a lot of nice flat panels. And I was thinking, actually, if I wanted to paint these, I'd rather do a nice job of blending and line highlighting, like properly painting. That's ex- that's exactly the issue I had. I got the prime and I put them together and I was like, I'm going to spend 50 hours on this dude. Which is really, really stupid. But um, I have been enjoying... like. There's not many models where I could say I've sat down, I've painted a glove, and it took me two hours, and I'm pleased. And I also think that was a good use of my time. So they're really, really good for that, and they're very, very nice models. Um, you could do a really good fast job if you if you're in the mindset to, but you just don't want to because you like the minis. Yeah, and I think I was sort of thinking, well, I could, and I had in my head I was thinking oh, I could. Um... I could do lots of different things. I was thinking about object source lighting. I was thinking about just doing them all with like loads of metallics with washes and weathering, and and almost like like a, almost like a terracotta bronze legion kind of thing. So they're yeah. all like sort of tarnished suits rather than like the gleaming retributor gold. But even that, if you want to do it quickly, that'd be a really quick way to do it. Um, do dwarfs like that as well. I yeah, quite seriously at doing that because so many of their models are just entirely covered in armor. Well, that might be a because of their room in January, aren't they? Yeah. So that could be your yeah your thing. Um, five armies for Terry to assemble. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I was thinking, okay, so Stormcast. I'm going to put a pin in it because I started Bloodbound um, back back way back when when the box set came out. Um, and I built. So you already had stuff. some assembled. Yeah, I, I had basically I had the start set built, and I had some blood letters, a blood firster, and this is why my enthusiasm for the army dropped off a cliff, because I wanted to mix demons and corn. You wanted Scarbrand. Well, he wasn't out, but yeah, I don't like the model, but I wanted to run blood letters, blood crushers, 
with my Bloodbound, and then it was like, no compendiums. So I was like, this is shit because I've got, I've got all these demons. Half I've got like my army with the demons was enough. Without the demons was nowhere near enough. Yes. Plus the fact there wasn't obviously things like the Slaughter Priest wasn't out, Deathbringer wasn't out, um, the, even the Blood Warrior box wasn't out. Um, the Vanguard. Yeah, but they're not they're not really Bloodbound, but yeah. Um, but then I, I've always people know I've always been a Chaos player. So I've got my old Chaos Warriors on snow bases, on squares, in the black armour, but the problem is adding to that takes ages. Yeah. So if I rebase that army, I would then be stuck in a cycle of, I want to add a Gaunt Summoner. Well, that's like three, three days worth of painting, like solid painting right there. Um, so I was like, well, that's going to be an issue if I do that. Then I've got my Nurgle army, which is designed to be Nurgles and Warriors mixed, which I can't use if Taunt's still doing compendiums. Um, and that needs to be rebased. And it's quicker to add to that, but it's it's still a pain. So I was like, well, I kind of wanted to do something new. So I wanted to do a Corn army. I wanted to do a Bloodbound army. And with the, I made the mistake of buying the Battle Tome. So I bought the Battle Tome and I went, oh, I really like these. And I I've like been... having a book you can read. Like, yeah. never, never mind I like these, I like being able to sit down on the loot and just scroll through a book and not do it on a phone or a pad or anything and actually go back to pages and then occasionally read the fluff. And there's something... You lose a bit of the romanticism out of the hobby, I think, doing shit on a phone. It upsets me. Yeah, I, I love books. I mean, that's why I buy the limited edition books and stuff, because I, I, I just love it. I love nicely printed books I love the smell of the books which is basically the glue but you know <laughs> yeah now the entire experience it is nice to have and hold a nice thing and to it makes your hobby feel more legitimized I think rather than like great free content I, I actually don't really give a shit about free content but uh, it's quite nice that you can have a look at all of it and think that's cool I will invest in this but in some armies you don't have the opportunity to invest and own that beautiful thing and no. I think for me, one of the biggest appeals of the Stormcast is there was, we had an open copy in the store of their book, and I just, I realised how much I'd missed looking through army books. Yeah. Uh, and that was the reason why I got them. So I, I think the, the Stormcast book, especially the limited edition one, is beautiful. Um, but I, I basically, I looked at the Corn Bloodbound book, and I went, oh. the problem is, in my gaming head, I'm looking at them going, they just don't synergize as well. They just don't have the same, like the Stormcast, you read the book, you can immediately see the way things synergize, and you think, "Yeah, I can, I can definitely see this from a gaming point of view. I can see the power." With the Bloodbound, it's not. And I, I, think I mentioned it on like an early show, they almost play like orcs. Should play. Yeah, how orcs should play? Where it's basically just raw number of bodies, raw aggression run across the table. So essentially <laughs> that's what I'm doing but from a painting point I had the models and I looked at I, I started to paint my Bloodbound and I had some Chaos Knights I'd converted so I started painting them and the, just the sheer amount of trim and detail on the models I was just like yeah. if I paint this army in my normal standard I will this is literally going to take me a year to paint it's going to be like my old Chaos Army it's going to take ages I said so I want to do it quickly and then Obviously, seeing like what Tony Moore did with his obviously from your suggestion, which was the grayscale with the the blood effect as the spot color, he used Tamiya, didn't he? I Tamiya clearly. I don't know if he used that or blood for the blood god, but 
Which something then lost it, I think. A glossy red blood effect. I went, do you know what? Bloodbound's going to look amazing like that. And it allows me to do lava basin, which I've never done and I've always wanted to do. Because they're obviously mostly based in the realm of fire. That's that's a change of events, isn't it? You copying Les's basin. Well, I wouldn't say Les pioneered lava basin. He didn't, but normally normally things go the other way around. (laughs) Um, And... And you know the point is, is that I am doing it. In my, I'm not like copying his paints or scheme, do it my own way. But I mean, lava basin's nothing new. You know, it's no. been around for fucking donkey's years. But um, for me, now available on non-chaos dwarf farmers. Yeah, um, I wanted to do look, make it look like they're in the realm of fire. But also, I wanted to kind of steal that Sin City-esque kind of dark warriors with glowing eyes, and just the blood is the thing that stands out. Um, so, I, and I've decided I'm going to the Masters, so I decided I'd paint a Bloodbound army in like three weeks. <laughs> That's build, build as well, because I didn't have, I've built a lot. Um, and obviously they released that Bloodbound box set as well, which I picked up. So I basically just went full on, full on corn. Um, That's really all I can say about it, really. I mean. Have you found assembling the models? Um. I'm pre-anal when it comes to mold lines. Um, I found that there is no gap filling required on the new kits at all. Just nice. the way they're designed, they just don't have mold lines. They're, like, they're quite all the joins. hefty dudes as well, so there's ample opportunity for full-on armour plate to be hiding the world if they've yeah. got about it. And I found that the only thing I'd found is like the Blood Warriors are not very poseable. Oh yeah. Because yeah. basically the shoulder pads are... Um, how do I best describe it? They're like, you basically have half the shoulder pad attached to the arm, and you have another little bit that goes attaches to that, so it's almost like a half and half shoulder pad. One bit's already attached to the arm. But the shoulder pad's very curved, so when you put it on the model in the arm socket, you can't swivel the arm round, because it there is only one position it sits. So when you put the arms on, you don't really have much play to actually go, oh, I'm going to put this arm sticking up in the air like he's bringing his axe down, or... The only arms that you can do that are the ones without shoulder pads. Um, and then I found as well that the, the basic, you compose the head and you compose some of the arms, but there isn't really a lot you can do. Um, but they are nice models, don't get me wrong, but... Um, I, I actually, in my head, it was kind of a good thing because I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. I could just go when it goes there, plonk. One and done. Um, and it's a bit like the Raffmongers and stuff as well. They 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 kind of go one way, and it's like, well, that's fine because I don't have to think about the the, the is this arm at the right angle? Of, what, what if I put this arm up, this arm down? What way is his face head going to be pointing? And I could just kind of go, well, it goes there, plonk, done. Um, and they still look dynamic enough. I mean, I actually think the starter set ones look more dynamic than the box set. So the actual the ones you get in the box set are less dynamic than the five you get in the starter set of the Blood Warriors. That's a very strange place to be at, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, but at the same time, I I still really like it. It's it does it is good. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, I do I do really like them. Um, the models are just really really nice. Um, but the starter set corn stuff's grown on me a lot. I've converted up a Blood Secutor. Um, and I've converted up a, a Bloodstoker because I had a second starter set basically because Les 
gave me his stuff. He was like, I don't, I'm not going to use it. So, um, less. Um, so I thought, well, I'm not going to go. There is like a bit of a loophole at the moment where you could potentially take like three or four of those banners and just plant them all in the same turn and go, yeah, I've got like plus four attacks on every model. I don't think that's going to be there very long. Um, so I didn't bother. Um, so I thought, well, two's okay because you kind of want that redundancy if one dies in the game. Um, and I looked at the models and I kind of like the idea of like masses of blood warriors swarming across the battlefield. Um, and Are they then fast I, in rules wise? No, they're not fast. Um, what they are is quite defensive. So the corn stuff, um, I think they're only movement five, but what the corn stuff does, the blood warriors, is that if they get killed, they can pile in an attack in the combat phase. So even if they charge you and like alpha strike the unit, you still get to fight with it. Okay. So and actually, they've got this thing where if they make an armor save roll, um, every time they save, you roll a dice. On a six, they the attacking unit takes a mortal wound. Sure. That's actually quite. It sounds weird to say corns. Their rules and fluff lead to them being defensive, but it's not actually defensive. It's them just not. Caring it's a bit about like you kind of don't care if they die. And it's kind of, I think it's based around that thing of corn does not care where the blood flows from. Yeah. So you're you're happy with your guys being chopped up because it allows you to attack them, which is a bit of a weird thing. And it's kind of to play around, isn't it? Yeah, and it's kind of what I, I've looked at the list and the way the list is working is that I've got I've taken the Raffmongers, um and what they do is any model within three gets an extra attack. That's friend Every and month. foe. That doesn't. It's not just you. But what they do as well, they've got this cool thing that if you kill one, you pick an enemy model, and that model attacks itself or its unit. So immediately that makes things like people on dragons think twice about coming near you. Because you, you charge it with Wrathmongers, they kill a Wrathmonger, and then you go, right, okay, your dragon's now going to hit itself. Um, which is, you know, pretty scary. It sounds like the entire army has a very... Because one of the interesting things about AOS is that you go, I go in combat. Yeah. It sounds like they completely turn it on its head, potentially. Yeah, they do. Which um, is a, like, it was enough of a mindfuck to get around understanding it as a new content, and now you're having to understand it on two levels, which sounds really interesting. Yeah, and I, I thought it's going to be fairly interesting to play with. When the Grand Alliance opens up, I've got a load of Skaven I bought, Um which are cleaned cleaned up, glued together, with pins in their feet and not on bases, which is just perfect, basically. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to add Skaven to it, and I'm going to put them on with, like, glowing green rocks on the basin and stuff, um, like warp stone. Christmas army. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I thought, well, actually, I need to... Um, if I want to add corn demons, because I've got some painted, that's going to be easy to do as well. Um, the only the only thing about it is that I'm getting all these really nice models and I'm just painting them very quickly. Uh, whereas actually I'd quite like to sit down and paint some of them properly. So are you? How are you going about doing your characters then? Would be my instant question. Now okay, you've said that. Um, exactly the same as everything else at the moment. Okay, do you think that is part of the issue? Potentially. I mean, I I think I need to. I could come up with another way to paint them. Um, but like it's just time basically at the moment. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, well, I've got two weeks. I can't afford to sit and and I kind of 
it's that discipline of not of not overthinking it. It's really hard, isn't it? Because when you're used to going, oh, I'm going to paint this model and I'll just do this and I'll do I'll do that, and it's a bit like what you're saying about that that you know the time to do your, on your necrons. You're talking about like if you did basin and you did sand on them, then that that is actually going to take a lot longer per model over the whole project. So orig- originally, I thought what I can do is I could tint the armor and I could tint the brass edging with like sepia and red, and then like overly like sort of unify it by highlighting it with two stages of grey highlight, um, and then like washing it down to like dull it to, to sort of unify it into black. But then I just thought, is it going to be that noticeable? And it might lose the effect of it being sort of like the contrast effect. I haven't, and I thought, well, to be honest, it's going to take a hell of a lot longer doing that than it is me just basically dry brushing a model, um, which is doing a little bit of a disservice, really, what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like the characters, honestly, I think they just they just hold up the same way. They're just bigger, more impressive models. So things like the blood first are going to be a bit of a challenge. Because what I'm probably going to have to do is blend highlight that properly rather than dry brush it. But a lot of the models have got quite a lot of the corn stuff's got so much like detail close together. You don't need to you don't need to brush highlight it. It, it just you just literally with the new dry paints. They just there's so much detail. It it looks like you've sat there and painted it like properly. The difference really isn't that big. Does that make sense? Hello. Yep, sorry, I muted myself like an idiot. <laughs> um, so, yep, that absolutely makes sense. So, as a as a counterpoint to that, when I did my Cryptora test model for my vampire counts, it's just this big expanse of flesh. Yeah, and you've got to either use the airbrush more and better, or dry brush extremely cleverly to make the same thing work on that that you're making work so nicely on your stuff that you've got at the moment. Um, I think it sounds like it might get to a stage where you're, you're getting annoyed that you've got these beautiful models and you're not spending more time on them. So not that the characters will look bad standing out to everything else, but just so you can get your hobby fix of getting to spend the time that you want to on some of the new models. Mm. Maybe you go back and repaint some or just add some others that you hadn't done yet and spend a couple of days doing some Bosch guys when you don't have such a uh, such a time restraint. Yeah, maybe the fact that I go back and paint all the characters normally and all pick out like an area of colour. Like for example, like Corgus Cole, if I paint all the characters I paint all their armor panels and highlight all their armor panels up normally. Uh and then with the edge and just keep keep everything else in grayscale, but just pick out certain details. Um Or you could just paint Grizzle more in his cloak. But I don't know how. For me, like I'd like, I've got slot two slot of priests. I'd love to paint those properly. But, and it it's kind of that toss up of how much time do I want to invest in it? And the point is, if I paint it properly, is it in comment? It just takes so long. I just I just wouldn't get the army on the table. Wouldn't be playing with it. Oh, you wouldn't. My enthusiasm would have the option to. Yeah. uh... If you want, if you if you're getting a real, 
you're getting annoyed that you're just bashing out these things that look absolutely fine, look really good, and the army looks super cohesive. Maybe for you, you just need to have five dudes that you can put on a display, their little only display thing at the front of the army that look posh and nice, just to prove that you can, whether it's for other people or for yourself entirely. Mm. I mean, part of me thinks I'd move away and do another project, like I'll do something else. So you have one army that is nothing but speed and efficiency and a good solid high concept scheme and then you have uh, your version of my high elves or your old chaos yeah. so you've got two armies um, and nothing in the middle yeah but well that's kind of I'm tempted with the stormcast to do it that way yeah. um, but I, I'm not sided really I mean um, the thing army is for spending more time on I think yeah exactly but the thing is the game's moving so quickly that I, I didn't want to... What I do is I tend to buy a load of models, get excited about a project, start painting the models, and then lose my enthusiasm. Because you paint them too slowly. Yeah. But I need to paint... And, and like for me, the gaming side of it is a big factor, but also I, I don't want to be revealing my corn army in Next Blood and Glory, so I'd rather have it out, playing yes. with it in two weeks' time. So I've decided I'm going to do it. Within a month, I've got a full army. I like that. I think that's... And it, it's kind of like, from concept to table, it's a month. Uh, and that's fine. And then the point is, is that I've got so many armies that um, are done to a high level. It's like my high hours. If I want to add to them, it's such a time commitment. If I want to add to my, to my like my, my warriors, I've got to rebase them. And then I'm, it's it's a time commitment, and you're stuck into that for everything you add. And I almost want to put a pin in that project, put it in my display cabinet, never get it out again, and say that was the army that I won Throne of Skulls painted with, and blah. It's there. I'm never going to play with that again unless yeah. I go back to playing with squares. It's just in the cabinet. Um, and it's a bit like stuff that, like my gaming army, this corn army, I think it's going to look really nice, um, but it's not going to be, oh. I've got to paint, like, if I wanted to paint it normally, it just takes so long. And I just think, well, it's still going to look good, which, you know, it's still going to... For me, I still like the look of the army on the table. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is difficult to switch off the I can paint look. I really can paint. Um, Definitely. It's the... the uh, Whether it's... Um, whether it's you just being vain or a, a pit like a pissing contest with yourself, like, no, I can do this, so I will do it. Mm. And then five hours later, you could have spent two hours on it and had something look 90% as good. I do think that is a very difficult thing to get out of the habit of, especially when doing tester models. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I did a test unit um, as my first unit, because I've painted 15 Blood Warriors, but I did find it took a little bit longer than I wanted because I, was, I wasn't happy with the sequence of what I was doing. Yes. Um... So I suppose I should probably talk about what, how I'm doing it, I guess. Yeah, well, should, should we take a little bit of a break, come back and go into that actual sequencing? Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service, all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off, and all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. And we're back. Bonjour. To talk about more hobby stuff. Yep. So, um, 
So yeah, maybe I should talk about what I what I've done. Cool. Um, so basically, I I did a test a test unit, um, <laughs> um, and I realised sort of midway through I was kind of defining what I was doing with the models, but I basically consciously wanted to use a lot of the Citadel dry paints, um, just because I love them. For the uninitiated, how how exactly do they work? Because they are weird when you first get a new paint that's gone. Uh, best is what kind of do? like a wet makeup pad in a pot is basically the best way I can describe it. They're really um, odd. So you, it's kind of like a jelly, and you you use them just like you would dry brush a normal paint, but rather than like, but they I don't know what it is about them, but you just they just so much better at picking out just the raised areas. They just hit edges. So they for that first step when you're say you're dry brushing scenery. And you've got this big, I don't know, dreadstone blight or, or whatever, large, uh, blocky building. For steps one, two, and three, maybe they're not what you need. But for step four, your final step, they are perfect hitting that. They're really impressive for that. And they save you so much time because they very, very controllably, without streaks or anything, hit the one bit you want to hit at the very end. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I'm using, I'm, you probably hear... As I'm actually painting as we're recording because I don't have a lot of time before the masters. <laughs> um, and purely the I'm using long beard grey at the moment to pick out all the airs that just on this um, bloodstoker and it's just absolute joyful. It just it the They're model just modern. comes to life and even though it's grayscale, I'm I'm actually having so much fun painting this army. Like because it's so different. Um is it like the joy you get painting scenery, but on models? Yeah, yeah, basically, because it's because you're not overthinking it, and it it feels it feels abstract. So I'm I'm loving the the kind of the abstract feel of it. If that makes sense. Definitely. But just just loving that kind of. It it feels a bit arty. Um, These were designed by GW who tend to lead in everything in, in at least the fantasy spectrum of our industry um, for people who've maybe never picked up a paintbrush before. And with the same we take washes for granted now. You've got to remember that however many years it was ago when they came out, people used them for the first time and they were just like, whoa, like, what the fuck is this? My life just got easier. And this has been designed again for the uninitiated person for you to say, like, step one, base coat, step two, uh, wash step three base coat highlight step four and you can actually now step four can be a dry brush and that's a controlled thing and it is absolutely approachable for a beginner with these products so because there is just defining what they do it does give you a little more flexibility to do things that maybe might have felt a bit weird or not sensible before and therefore you can be a bit more creative I think yeah, and I think it, it's, it's like anything, it, it's, it just makes the job easier. I'm using this GW dry brushes as well at the moment, because they're, they're cheap enough to, you know, I think I'll probably get through two doing the whole army, but hey ho, they're not, they're not expensive. Um, but yeah, so basically I'm, I wanted to use the airbrush a lot, because I bought a new airbrush. What did you buy? I bought a Nawata HPCS Eclipse, I want to say. HPC Plus or an Eclipse CS? Uh, one of those. CS. What colour's the box? Is it blue? 
Uh, I can't see the box, but I think so. Okay, cool. <laughs> that would be very helpful. Basically, we'll it's a it, point. We'll put it in the show notes. It's a point three five um, nozzle, I think. Uh, but anyway, and I bought a SmartJet Pro tank handle compressor. Um, you sell both of these on your website, actually. Yep. Um, so I don't know if you've got it in a bundle, but perhaps you could put a face bundle on there or something. Yeah, they're, um, so, it's a really, really good set of stuff. Uh, beautiful brushes. Oh, you do? It's the premium bundle, HPC Plus, and that tank and compressor is what I bought. So yep. that that is the two thing, products I bought. Um, and I wanted to put the those through its paces, so... Um, and to be honest, I probably could make this way more efficient now after doing it, um, and I probably will um, revise what I'm doing. But basically what I'm doing is I'm starting off with the airbrush. So I've put my men on cork, um, built the models as normal, um, and then the lava I've done just by making green stuff balls, letting them dry, cutting them in half, super gluing them to the base, and then when it's dry, covering it all in like a layer of PVA to do the lava. So very basic, very simple. Um, undercoat the models with black and then white over the top spray. Um, the efficiency From a with the airbrush, the white. Sorry, it's Cam. the white. Okay, yep, much faster. Um, the, I mean, what I could potentially do is actually just do this with grey and just skip the first airbrush stage entirely, apart from the black on the cork base. Mm-hmm. Um, but you think is that grey from a can again? You're thinking? Yeah, yeah. I just think it would be way quicker. Yeah, it's probably look the same, um, but I don't know. Maybe not. Um, I, I do quite like the the grey that I'm using, but I'll I'll get onto that in a sec. So then, what I'm doing is I'm airbrushing the cork base black. So just black Vallejo or GW, whatever paint you use, it doesn't really matter. I'm using the Game Air black just because I had it. It was the first one I found. Um, straight in onto the cork under the edges, around the edges of the cork, just really make sure the whole cork is covered in black. Um, Then I'm airbrushing the entire model in scale 75 graphene, is it? Graphene? Grey? There's there's graphite, and then there's another one which is... The dark graphite's the highlights, it's the dark one, I think it's graphene. Cool. Um, And then I'm basically then using graphite, scale 75, through the airbrush, obviously you have to mix thinner with this, um to um, highlight the models. So I'm just putting like spots of colour where the light would catch. Not that it makes a huge amount of difference because you <laughs> can't really um, see. Um, then what I do is that's, that's it for the airbrush at that stage. Um, I, the mistake I made on the first batch is I did all the lava and actually I should have done that later. At the very end, yeah. Um, so what I've done now is I've done, okay, brush stage. So I washed the entire model and cork base with a mix, and I wasn't using the Inktense Black from Scale 75 in the first mix on the first batch, but I I found that the shadows weren't dark enough. So one of the... um, I think Mikey said that the shadows need to be darker if it's inspired by Frank Miller, which is, well, yeah, I kind of see the point. But So I put a bit of that black in the wash um, and known oil, and then Lamia Medium, and it's about a ratio of one ink tense black to two known oils of free medium. Something like that, roughly. Um, the um, the ink tense ones, it sounds obvious, but they are really strong inks. Yeah, they are, yeah. Uh, 
they, and a little bit goes a long way. What I like about them is they give you a very, very nice def- definition on the on the model. Because the problem I've always found with the GW watches is they are a little bit the the recesses aren't quite. Um, don't really know how to describe it. They, as people say, they look grey, but it's more the fact they don't have the depth of colour. Yes. Um, so basically, the only reason I put that ink in is to increase the colour depth on the recess. Um, and then li- literally that that takes a while to dry, so that that's just drying. Um, uh, but while that's drying, I'll water down a bad and black, and I'll just literally, as it's wet on the cork, I'll just redarken the centre mass of the cork. Um, and then what I'm doing there is, once that's dry, I then, the cork needs to be dry brushed, so I use Vallejo Dark Grey, and then at the edges with the Dawnstone Dry Paint, just to give that, the black volcanic rock a bit of definition. And the reason I do this now is that when I airbrush the lava, I want to make sure I get overspray so you look like it's got a glow effect. Um, which is the first batch. I did it the opposite way around, so there isn't much overspray, so I might have to go back and repaint those. But because of time, I'm just going to carry on, and it's sort of a luxury to go back and redo those. You can always do a bit of accidental overspray on it. Well, I can just go back and respray the lava, and then touch that up, and then put a very controlled black ink wash on them to darken them up a bit, yep. and then probably have to reapply the dry brush. But anyway, it's it's not worth faffing. Um, over the model um, so I've basically decided I'm going to move on I know what I'm doing now um, so I'm now doing, at the moment I'm doing a batch of all my characters and the unit of Skull Reapers um, in this new stage by stage um, so what I've done is once that's all done I now go back to the airbrush um, and what I'm using is G Citadel Air um, you don't have to, I mean you could use I think there's a guide by like by painted on how to do lava. There's plenty of stuff on YouTube. You could use Vallejo or whatever you want to use. Um, but I'm using Mephiston Red. Beautiful. And it's so nice. It is literally is just. It's a good colour anyway, and the air version is just exquisite through the brush. Yeah, and it is really nice. And I'm basically using that and going, okay, so Mephiston Red um, on the lava bubbles, overspraying onto the cork. Um, just very, very subtly. You've got to be quite controlled at this. Some people like to do the bases and models separately, but I, I really hate that. I think it just makes it slower to do that. Um, I think it depends what you're doing, but for this, I just thought, well, it doesn't matter. I'll be able to control it enough. I've got a good enough brush control with the airbrush. I can, I can do that, not a problem. And you kind of want a little bit of overspray anyway. So, um, um, I found that the Mephiston Red's brilliant. For that, um, the new setup I've got is really nice. It's doing it's ticking all the boxes. So I, um, I've been doing that, and that that's worked really well. Um, and then what I do is I do Trollslayer Orange as the first highlight with the airbrush. You said you had a few difficulties with this one, didn't you? Yeah, the paint's too thin. Uh, basically, um, I don't have an equivalent that I could use. Like I tried the Vallejo. Uh, game air one and it was awful um it just didn't it just didn't it was even worse than the troll slayer one and i was like well to be honest I, I just need to get on with the project i haven't got time to faff um, you didn't think of trying to scale 75 one i did but, but i didn't there. find a good uh, the right color yeah um 
might be in their fantasy and games selection. Yeah, I think it is. Um, so I just decided well, I don't have it. I've got the pot of Chocolate Orange. I'm just going to persevere with it. And what I found by dropping the pressure and spraying less through the brush and letting the air coming through dry it, it's a lot. It's more faffy than I want it to be, but I can. It works. I got there, so it's fine. Um, so I've done that. And then what I do is um, I've made a mix of Avalon Sunset with Flash Gets Yellow, fifty-fifty, um, because I found like Flash Gets Yellow is too bright, but Avalon Sunset's probably just too much on the on the sort of the neutrally brown. Base paint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I do is I do that as the highlight, and then I do like I mix white into that as the final highlight. So it's about like four airbrush layers basically, but the highlights are very quick. Because you're literally just pointing it at the bubble and, and just doing a quick blast, Little and then dot. just yeah, basically, and just doing around the edge of the base, and it doesn't take very long once you get in the flow. Um, so I've done that, and then I thought, well, okay, that's the lava airbrush. So that's basically the airbrush stages are done now. You're not going to go back to that, except if you want to do a varnish. But I I haven't bothered because um, all the models are plastic, so I don't see the point. You could you could gloss varnish the lava. I probably will. I haven't done that yet, but that is in my head. I've already on my method. I've got that at the end: gloss, sure. varnish, lava, question mark. Yep. Um, so that that's one thing I'm probably going to do to get the the contrast again even bigger because you go from matte to gloss. Yes. And that's what I found with the scale seventy five stuff. It's very matte, and I like that. That's exactly what I was going to say. You're going to get a really nice difference there between the two. Yeah. Uh, it, it it's works it's working really well. I'm, I'm enjoying doing it a lot. I'm in, I'm enjoying the kind of getting the use out of the airbrush. I mean, probably my favourite stage is the dry brush to the long beard grey stage, which I'll get onto in a minute. But I'm doing it now, and it's probably why I'm, I'm maybe rambling a little bit. I'm just distracted from hobby love at the moment. Getting so a little here. I might have to just pause this while I uh, I'm not going <laughs> out in the toilets or something. Like that. So <laughs> um, then basically what I do is I go okay. So all the models have got they're basically now ready for just brush work. It's just like 15 stages, basically. So dry brush the entire model with Dawnstone Dry, which is a new dry paint, which I I really like. The new dry paints are not are not so washed out. They've got a lot more pigment in them. So they work really well with highlighting um, sort of colours as, as a mid-tone dry brush. And I know you were saying that dry paints are good at the last stage actually these yep. colors add like a mid dry brush stage okay so they they work really well for that they're almost they're almost too much pigment in them to be the last dry brush stage because you'd end up uh, doing like a soft fuzzy coat on all of the model yeah yeah but they're they're really nice like in terms of and what i do is i do it a bit heavier than when i'm because it's it's closer to the gray anyway it doesn't really show out. So this is closer to a... Because there's no reason you shouldn't have a base coat, mid-tone, and highlight for dry brushing like you should for brush brushing. Yeah. So this is your this is your mid-tone. Yeah, basically. Um, and then what I'm doing here is... Um, I do that, and then what I'm, I do is I then... I go to the lava, and I, I use Fugue and Orange, which is like the GW wash, and I mix that one-to-one with medium... And I put that over the lava to basically tint it back to orange. Um, and then I'll use I'm using Hexos Pale Sun, which is the dry yellow paint. 
Yep. I was using the edge paint and pe- brush brush painting the bases, but I just found it no takes point. too long. It's too faffy. The the dawn yellow isn't a very nice color to try and thin and and blend with anyway. So I just went right. I'll get the equivalent dry. I'll just dry brush it. Yeah, works fine. Then I glaze that with Cassandora yellow, which is one Cassandora yellow to two parts medium. Um, obviously, you have to wait for the, the Fugan orange to dry. So, <laughs> Did you think of putting the GW glaze in there? Because I really like... I don't like the glazes. They're too strong. Oh, I love them. I, I just don't get on with them. Every time I use them, I just end up overpowering what I've done. And I, yeah, I just go, no. You really have to dilute them. Um, so I just thought, no, I'll stick with what I know, what works for me. Yeah, um, makes sense. Um, because it's, I haven't got a lot of time to experiment and repaint and stuff because I, I literally just have to get it done. So I don't want to reinvent the wheel too much. So I'm going to use stuff I'm fairly comfortable with. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had a bit more time, then perhaps I would I would mess around with test bases and see which glaze looked the best. And, but then sometimes this is kind of the point of the army being quick, is it's easy to overthink things. Yes. Then you start adding in steps that don't really need to be there. Um, a bit like the airbrush stages, the first two airbrush, they don't, probably don't need to be there. I could probably just go straight from grey primer. Yeah. But, you know, I've started that now, so I'll finish it on that, because it's not too faffy, and I do like the scale 75 greys. I think they look really nice. I think a lot of the time when you... When you when you get to process or an army that is like this, like there's probably about five different ways you could get a very similar effect to the one you're getting. So you could start with your mid-tone, you could just undercoat the model grey all over, then you could spray it black from below and in the recesses, yep. with the airbrush I'm talking about here, um, and then dry brush all the way up and then wash down as your last step, or you could do what you're doing now. A lot of processes people tend to get fixed in the mind state of start with your darkest and work through to your lightest but the simpler the process is so with a high concept army generally it's going to be something simple but executed a lot or all over the place or whatever you can it doesn't really matter which way you go through things and you can tint things one way or the other but with a process like this if you're going for pure speed if you did have a little more time maybe you could end up with an extremely extremely fast way to do exactly your result if it didn't take a bit of experimentation on the way. Yeah, exactly. I think um, there are definitely different ways to approach it. Um, But this is my revised one after doing the first test. Um, So once the lava's been glazed down um, and washed, that's basically done. They're not going to come back to that. Um, So what we do now is, um, before I do the final dry brush, on the model, which is going to be long beard grey, I actually want to wash Mephiston red around the eye sockets because that's for that's what's going to happen with the the sort of the glow from the eyes because I wanted to give another spot colour. Um, so basically, the reason I do this now is that what I'm going to do is then dry brush um, long beard grey over the whole model, which is like the final highlight, basically. And that's going to re-pick out the the edges around the eyes and and take the, reduce the the effect the sort of the the twelve year old badly painted eye effect where it just like you've got like panda faces. This is, is a way of painting that I'm personally really really fond of. It's what I did on all of my Nurgle models. 
you like the typical example for me is doing like a saw on a plague bearer. You spray it with the airbrush around where the saw is, and it looks a bit shitty. And then when you go to the dry brush stage, the model gets um, its skin color on the very edges of all of those bits. And because yeah. they're CAD designed models, someone in somewhere has thought actually to make this process more easier, more enjoyable. I'm going to make it so that area is exaggerated, and they will go around with a raised brush and just pull up all of those edges in terms of height, yep. which makes the process far easier and far faster. Yeah, and the, it and this is another thing as well with this arm because all the models are hyper modern, it works even better. Because it's far easier to do this type of thing with a modern army. It's really, really well. Sometimes you just can't do it flat out with some of the older ones. No, no, exactly. Um, and then, so basically, you, that's what I'm doing. That's the stage. Now, the next bit is to add in the, the blood. Um, now, I don't just get blood for the blood god and spaff it over the model. Um, and you've got to be very careful with this not to overdo it. So you've got to kind of think almost a little bit abstract, where I'm going, okay, so I've dry brushed the model along big grade out, and I want I want red in one area, or if it's in two areas, to be quite far apart. It's not where it's realistic, it's where it no, makes where it looks good. Visually. It's a bit like where I've got a, um, I've got my banner for my unit, and I've put over the corn symbol, I've basically done blood splatter up the banner symbol. But because of where he's got like a trailing chain, I actually put blood on that, and actually I won't do that again. Yes. Um, but I will put it on his axe, and that gives you that separation. Um, so, a bit like with the juggernauts, I'm planning to have like blood spast up the side of the model, like on the actual juggernaut. So it almost looks like as he's ridden by and the guys hack someone's head off, they've like got all sprayed their blood over the side of the beast, um, rather than just putting it around the juggernaut's mouth. Yes, because I don't see that. I don't see that's where the the blood would be because I don't imagine juggernauts biting people. I imagine them like you know, like, ramming them with their horns and stuff. So, it's kind of... What I do, and how I do the blood is, Mephisto on red, um, and I I get... I've got a GW base coat medium brush, which is kind of a weird... It's almost like a cross between a brush and a dry brush. It's a weird brush. I, I, I like them. They're quite stiff, um, but they're good for, like, sort of poking paint into areas. So I think it's a medium base brush. Um, but what I'm doing with it is I'm basically painting lines. And I mean, like, not, I'm not talking like fine little lines. I'm talking the brush width, which I think is a couple mil anyway, because it's like a flat edge brush. And as I press down, obviously, the, the bristles splay out slightly. Um, and I'm just literally painting like cross hatches where I think blood should be. And I'm not being neat with it. I'm not filling out the whole area. I'm leaving some of the grey showing through. And then what I'm doing is I'm taking a dry brush, again, using a dry paint. So I'm using Astrograph Red, one of the new ones. And I'm dry brushing the blood area where I put the Mephiston Red in that red. And then the final stage is to get blood for the Blood God and basically um, paint that over the top of it. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to wash the model back down with known oil and medium. So I now do a wash to unify the entire model back down. Sure things aren't too aggressive. Yeah, just to try and take the 
take the extremeness out of it. Um, so I'm basically, and it's quite a, it's almost a glaze. So it's non oil mixed with medium, but it's a two to one ratio. So it's, it's, it's very, very subtle. And all it does is just takes the harshness of the dry brush off. off. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure I prefer it, but it's, it's one of those things. It's like, it, it's kind of done. I don't know. Maybe I can I can go back and always re-dry brush areas that I want more prominent. Um, but that's what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just basically washing down the model again before I put the blood for the blood god on because obviously the blood for the blood god's got a, a gloss sheen to it. Um, so if you if you did that then put the wash on, it would lose its gloss. So it's, you kind of got to be a bit careful with that. Uh, then I black rim the so I wash the whole model including the cork. Um, and then I black rim the bases. Then I'll, when that's dry, I'll paint blood for the blood god over the blood areas. Um, then I just paint the eyes, and that's just the same way the lava troll slout orange, then dawn yellow, and then I just do a, a wash of fugan orange. Um, and then final, final step, if you really wanted to, I haven't done this yet, but I probably will, is you could mix a blood mix, probably using Tamiya Smoke, Tamiya Clear, red and then um, put it on a brush get the airbrush and just burst air through it to spatter blood yeah um, there's a couple of ways to do stuff like that generally speaking I'd use that for the I'd use that for the first step um, I think if, when you're using an uncontrollable technique I think for me potentially it's, it's best to use that as the first step Right. Um, it's quite hard to because then you can fix it with the consecutive steps if it did go wrong yeah, I suppose. Yeah, like I say, I haven't, like I said, I haven't played around with that yet, so I might not, because I don't want the blood being too much of a thing. Yeah. Well, I might try and find a more controlled way to do it, as you say. Um, but I know, I remember I used to work with a guy, and he used to spit, like literally manually blow through the brush. So he'd, yeah. he'd be sort of like getting the paint on and be going like pff, pff, through the brush. It's a really good way to do it. Um, the, one of the nice things about the airbrush is, uh, well, firstly, your model has to be standing up itself because uh, you don't have three hands because one's going to be holding the airbrush, one's holding a preloaded brush. But um, you can change the pressure and you can aim, like you can actually aim at the top of the bristles or the bottom of the bristles. And that's really nice because if you aim at the bottom of the bristles uh, with like a medium pressure, you get this big, like, you get big waddy uh, globules of it that are potentially strung together and stuff like that. And if you go to the very end of the brush, you get a much finer, uh, like uh, I, I guess, like an arterial spray or whatever you would be going for it, a mist on it. And yeah. you can control that when you're tapping the brush. And you can control your pressure as well. Uh, also, you can dilute what's on the brush more. Not that you can't do this if you're playing it with your mouth, but you can dilute your mixture more of that mist or let your your palette a bit more before scooping it onto the brush if you do want that gloopy stuff going on. Yeah, so there's it's, different it's ways really to nice, do it. But, but it's um, really uncontrollable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was tempted to do it just because I think it'd be quite fun, but I need to I need to be really careful if I'm doing that. Yeah. Because um, the worst thing that you could have with this is to have too much blood on it. Yes, less is very often more, and it's really hard to stop, especially with techniques that are actually fun and are uncontrollable, because you think, I'll try and hit that bit there. I'll try and hit that bit there again. 
I'll try and hit that bit there again. You've missed it three times, and as a result, your dude's just covered in it, in. <laughs> but yeah. all in the wrong places. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how I'm doing it, and I know that sounds like quite a lot of stages, but how I normally paint a model, like I'm, I normally do four to five stages on a main color and three to four on a on a on an off color. Also, when you're batch producing things, it's very different because you're eight. You could be doing eight stages. Maybe that is the amount you're doing, and you're you're doing them across fifteen dudes, and each of them takes thirty seconds per dude. And by yeah. the time you finished and you've got an awesome looking army, the time you put in was actually really really good for what you got out of it at the end. Yeah, that that's kind of the point about the initial gray gray layer. It's like is that time investment is that worth it? Um, you're probably talking about to do those two layers, you're probably talking about an hour of airbrushing for about 15 models. Okay. So you're looking a at amount, but four minutes a model, but then if you've got 100 models, that's 400 minutes. Yeah. So a significant amount of time. And if that time could have been spent like doing a piece of scenery or something, or another unit. So, or pushing up a character or, or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, is that the most efficient use of your time? Um. Because it, it, with these sort of things, efficiency is really important. And I think a lot of this, I've taken a bit of a cue from from yourself, because obviously I know you've done commission painting in the past, and you have, you kind of, I sort of know you as the master of dry brushing. Um, and you've obviously your high elf army is actually quite limited palette as well. Yeah, there's a marrying of, of those two approaches. So I wanted to kind of have a go at doing something abstract. It's nice doing something completely new, isn't it? Just just away from my comfort zone and completely like different and having the kind of the... I mean, I, I say it, it's not a small amount of investment of time or money to do it. It's quite a large investment, even though you're doing it quickly. It's still... I mean, I bought for this army, I bought... What I get? I got... I decided I had two starter sets, so I had those anyway. Um, and I went, okay, so I had... The unit of Skull Reapers, the unit of Raffmongers already bought and built. Um, and then I decided I'm going to buy the expansion set, the corn expansion box. So that's a hundred hundred pounds off of your website, so Element Games. Um, and then I was uh, then I was like, okay, I need to. I want to do a big unit of Skull Crushers. So mighty bought, Skull Crushers. Yeah, Mighty Skull Crushers. That's another fifty pounds. And then I went. Okay, um, I need to add more Blood Warriors, so I need to buy a box of Blood Warriors, so that's another 30 quid. Uh, then I was, I'll give you two Slaughter Priests, so that's another 30 quid. And then I added, um, I then bought two more boxes of uh, Wrathmongers, or Skull Reapers, so that's another £60. So basically, you know, 250 odd quid on top of what I already had, so you're looking at a significant amount. And you, well, not that it was for this, but you also did buy the airbrush and compressor at the same time, didn't you? Yeah, and then obviously sort of paints, brushes and things. Um, not that that was influenced by this army, but it, it definitely was, I want to I want to get a use out of the airbrush, so, oh, this just looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just um, dry brushing a Slaughter Priest, and I'll just, this model is just so good. <laughs> it's just such a nice model. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I'm really excited, and, and actually it's really good for my motivation to paint. Reinvigorating yourself. Yeah, and that's kind of why I put up the picture yesterday of the the sort of the, the test unit, which got 
quite a good reaction, but obviously there were a couple people that gave me a little bit of criticism, um, but That's constructive. Cool. So, which you know, I mean, Mikey said I. I think some people were saying it's not really Frank Miller because it's on like lava base and it should just be white and black. And I, I you know, I say, well, that's fine, but this is your take. Of it's his- my take on a similar thing, but it's not. I'm not trying to be Frank Miller. You know, it can be inspired by something and end up with something completely different. Yeah, exactly. It's and to be honest, I'm not like I'm not like a comic book guy. That's Les. Les is the comic book guy, and I wouldn't even know. And like, a huge fan of the Spider-Man films. He loves Spider-Man, so you know, just he's not here to to, to sort of but tell you how much he loves it. About but, it. Do do take the time. Yeah, do if you if you're a big Spider-Man fan, just find Les and Spider-Man have a chat with him about the films, especially because he's he's not really into the the films for him. Were like he just yeah, he just loves them. I think he sees himself as a bit of a a bit of a latter day Tobey Maguire as well. I think I think if he could be anyone, it would be the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, just just more Jewish. We love you, Les. <laughs> Uh, maybe people don't know, but that that's a complete lie. He hates it. <laughs> um, sorry, I've just undone all that, haven't I? Shit. Um, I can edit it out. It's fine. Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. I just I thought that you know I'm not trying to be. I'm not a massive comic book fan, and I'm not trying to be. Um, despite my resemblance to comic book guy out of The Simpsons, but. <laughs> Minus the long hair. Um, so I didn't want to. I'm not trying to copy that entirely. I'm just. It's just kind of that limited edition, that limited palette with the red. It kind of. That's. It reminds me of that. It's kind of from that. It doesn't have to be a direct copy. Um. So I mean, I, I know I should. Really, it's more. You you add the more of the Frank Miller esque idea, and then I just ripped it off basically from what you told <laughs> Tony to do. It's fine. So, but but it's you know that's just that's just flattery really. Um, taking certain that what you know someone else has done and, and just doing it your own way and with your own take on it. It's, it's what happens with painting. I I took it from someone else somewhere on a forum years ago, and then actually never really I've, I've done it on my gilball, but people haven't really seen that. And then no, I've seen those. Been, so, so it's been Toby that's seen it more, uh, been seen more for doing it. Uh, it's a really solid scheme and definitely I would encourage there's two things I'd encourage people to do if they want to get good at dry brushing one is do an army like that and the second one is actually just to paint some fucking scenery because yeah. that will teach you more than anything about doing it properly and you'll have something that's generic and works really well and you're probably going to do it in the grayscale which simplifies things as well yeah and I would say that the the rail gates are beautiful for that yeah perfect um, because it gives you allows you to do a little bit especially if you've got an airbrush because it allows you to do a bit of airbrush blended on the portal, which isn't that important, but yes, so it gives you a little bit of practice. The in there. But I've got my Overlord Bastion that I bought that I haven't built yet, and I really want to paint that. So that's my reward at the end of this: is to paint my fort for my Bloodbound. Um, and I've also got two more Realm Gates to do as Blood Portals. They were, yeah, they um. They weren't my idea at all. Tony just went out and did that, and they looked good. Was that is that for sure? Yeah, I think oh, so. That's cool. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to rip rip off what Tony's done, basically. And then people will just think it's me because you know because <laughs> you got a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, I, I don't. I'm not trying to take anything away from from him. I think you know he's he's 
he's done that on me very quickly. Um, and it looks really nice. And I was like, oh, I just, I just really want to do a quick dirty army that, that isn't, that is good. You know, but I, I, when I was a kid, I used to dry brush all my armies. I had a, I had a dry brush and dead army. I had a dry brush, uh, Nurgle army. I had a dry brushed, uh, Lizardman army. All just dry brushed. I used to do a lot of it. I mean, it was what, one of the techniques I learned when I was younger. And I, it's all I did was dry brush stuff. Didn't highlight, didn't know what that was. Just, just dry brushing. Yeah, dry brushing and dipping were basically the cornerstones of my my the point at which I developed started developing my own painting style, and we kind of touched this on my, my painting journey episode. But they were it was marrying those two together that was the point where I figured out how I should be painting for me in a certain way, and I really really think they're mass underused and unre- underrated, and people are derisive about them as well. Which, yeah, and for me, I think the, the GW dry paints were the perfect excuse to, to, to really give it a go. I tell you what, using that intense black has really made a difference. The contrast is so much better. Yeah. Should we... Because I wanted to take a little, like, maybe 20 minutes to go through washing, um, which is something you've used a lot on your Rami. And yeah. it's it's something that I think people do misunderstand fundamentally as well. Um, how to go about it, how you even start doing it, and people assume you should just use stuff straight from the pot or whatever. But how, like, so if I asked you what is washing, what would you say? Ooh, okay. Um, So fundamentally, washing, and you've got to be very careful not to mix washing and glazing, and um, inks are different again. A wash on a model is a way to quickly um, put dark colour in the recesses. So yeah. that that's essentially what you're doing. You're darkening the recesses. Um, but it also has another effect that it does actually affect the colours that you're doing it over. So it's a, a, a tint or a filter. Think of Instagram. Yeah. But less, ideally. But, I mean, a glaze is actually... That is all a glaze it should be, is a tint or a filter. But a wash, you're putting more pigment in the recesses and less on the raised areas, is yeah. the idea. A glaze um, is everywhere equally yeah. the area, in the area in which you've painted. Yeah. And um, the reason that like a wash can be really... Um, and what I would say as well, that there's a, I don't know how, how to describe it, but perhaps we should talk about like mistakes people make when they wash. Definitely. Um, so one of the biggest mistakes is people try to do all the shading in one wash, where actually doing multiple washes is better. Just do the same thing twice. Yeah, do the same thing twice, or do two different colours, or you know whatever. But um, if you, it's a bit of a patience thing, really. If you go, I want to darken this model up, so I'm going to get known oil, and I'm going to just put it on. I don't know, it's not quite dark enough. I just put more on and just put more and more on. All that ends up happening is you end up with a very patchy looking model and you end up with, um, especially with the new GW washes, grey because it just greys because it, it's too much, it's too thick. You put it on too thickly. Um, also, with washing, um, it's very easy to um, not... F- thin down enough. Yeah. And okay, so this brings us on to an entirely new thing. 
what you're talking about thinning it down with. Right, okay. So, a wash, you can regulate the effect by thinning it and thinning it with different mediums. So, so for example, um, water, what water does is it, it you will end up with a lot patchier wash because what will happen is the pigment will disperse, the water will evaporate and actually there's no pigment in that bit where the water is so yeah, you end you up get it with at the edges, you get yeah, tea stains on your model basically yeah, so what you should be using is a medium, so glaze medium, lamia medium and what that does is it, it keeps the um, the sort of the chemical retention the surface tension of the wash so it doesn't split because you don't, it's a bit like you think about like an oil slick if you use water, it kind of it will it will split. It doesn't want to be. You'll get bits that have no wash and bits that have wash, and you end up with a patchy wash. And what you want is that unified, neat uh, wash over the whole model. Um, and what I would say as well, you've got to be very careful when putting a wash on that you don't go back and start moving it around as it's drying. Yeah, once it's, it does the once same. it's done, it's done. So you need to just put it on and just leave it. So it's dry, and I mean completely dry. Um, and you, you need to really, especially before you start painting anything else or doing, you know, just let it dry um, completely. Because if it's not dry and you start manipulating the model or try to do something on the model, you're just going to mess it up. You should, um, it's the same as base, when you're basicing a model, you should only wet on wet or dry on dry. Sorry, wet on wet or wet on dry and nothing in between so at no point ever should you be putting anything on drying paint it should be fresh as a daisy or completely dried yeah nothing in between and that that'll just mean that you're not going to end up with you know like because what will happen is some bits of the ink will be dry and some bits won't so when you put a brush near it the brush is going to soak up the undried um ink or wash and leave you with a, a a tidal mark like a circle because what the brush has done is soaked up the, the wash and go, oh, there's a lovely bit of wash there. I'll, I'll, I'll keep like that. that. And then the bit that's dry is kind of going, hey, well, the effect was between the two of us would have been good, but you, you ruined it because you touched it. If that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> Not that they talk to each other. Maybe we've just got dry brush madness. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's loads of, I mean, I'd say there's so many different types of washes and, and ways to do it. I mean, it really depends on what effect you want to be doing. So, but I found that what I found really useful was the GW How to Paint videos. I know we talk about it all the time, but that he uses washes in quite a unique way, on especially in the Gash video, where he's using what GW washes as a way to blend. And so what he's done is he's painted two colours next to each other, cross-hatched them, and then he's just getting a GW wash, and he's just going, right, I'm going to paint this on with medium, 50-50, then I'm going to put it on, and I'm going to put my brush on the kitchen towel, and I'm going to feather the edge out. Dries, does it again, does it again, does it again. And all he's doing is building the pigment of the wash up in one area. Um, really controlled, um, and looks awesome. Uh, and it's really simple, so you don't need to know how to blend. It's kind of one of those things, you're like, well, I, don't, I can't blend... I'm going to use washes to do it for me. And that's why I really like the new GW washes, because I think they are way more techy than than the like inks. Um, but because of that, they're a little bit more faffy to use. Yeah, they're not... They're not as like dip no. as they used to be. 
and they definitely need to be thinned with medium. Oh, 100%. Um, it's just a little bit of a recipe for disaster otherwise. So the way I started using washes basically was with the last generation of GW ones. And then when they brought out the new ones, I was really disappointed. And the new ones are fantastic, but you will find if you use them like the old ones, often you'll end up with something a bit glossier than you're expecting. So fine if you were painting shiny Nurgle stuff or something like that. But if you want to use washes for the, the dipping approach, which is uh, an all-over tint, so uh, on the Element Games website in the tutorial section, any of my demon tutorials, my play bearers are perfect. They're a good example of something that's had a wash put all over. And that's been used as halfway between a wash and a glaze, so it, it filters the entire model a little, but also it pulls in the recesses. I I use the GW ones for that because I was fine with something shiny, but I really, really like starting from, rather than using a, a wash that is a specific color, because often I find there's not something I want, I'll start from a base medium tone and then I'll work it towards whatever I wanted to work it with, with other pigments. And you can be using other washes, which is what people generally assume. There is no reason, however, not to put a bit of paint in there, a bit of ink, a bit of anything. You can even put pigments in. That's uh, quite a difficult one to control, but can work really nicely. So my starting point for pretty much every single one of my washes was Army Paint a Soft Tone. That ink, not the uh, not the dip equivalent. And I'd take that colour, which is just a, a vaguely warm sepia. That's all it is, and it's a pretty soft one, as the name would suggest. You can add purple, brown, green... Uh, a potent yellow, red, you can pretty much add anything to that that you want uh, because it's such a soft colour and I really like the texture of it and how it is. It's a wash yeah. you can use anywhere on a model. So typically I'd put a bit of glazed medium in there to counteract the other stuff that I'd be adding and then I might choose another wash or uh, my Slanesh, I added Leash Purple in with it or something like that or I'd add some of Army Painter's purple tone and because you started off with something soft you're making sure that it's not it's not too dark so if you're putting it over a large smooth fleshy area like demons or or whatever i was then on like on that right on that shoulder or on that thigh on a, a larger expanse of the model because it's a, a softer color so if you mixed army painters purple and army painters soft tone 50 50 uh you don't end up any mistakes are less noticeable and it tends to just look a bit more natural as well. And that slightly warm sepia tone brought things a little bit to life, whereas yeah. it wouldn't have done if you'd just gone straight in there with purple, which looks a bit alien, which would have been fine for demons, but wasn't something I necessarily wanted. Yeah, that's the problem with using like some of the, especially some of the inks, where if you take like a blue ink like from intensity range, it's so strong that it just looks very artificial. It does, and you look like you're doing traditional art painting, but that sometimes does not work at all on models. Um, just because you want something more purple, your first step shouldn't be, I'll use GW Purple or Crimson or whatever, or I'll use Army Painter Purple or Crimson, or, or indeed the intensity ones if you are using the inks. Uh, and I think that's somewhere where people slip up a lot. Like you're, you're putting a color on a model just because you want it more purple, don't forget that it's also a living, breathing thing, or is meant to be a living, breathing thing. And that soft tone was a good place for me to start from. And I didn't do it to get that effect. It's just I liked using this paint, so I started there. Yeah, and I think um, 
it didn't it affect the properties of the washes as well, kind of determine the drying time, didn't it, and stuff. So yeah, you found anyway. Just yeah, a happy coincidence, or yeah, you you can add you can add whatever you like. To. If you add paint to a wash, generally the wash will dry faster, and it won't that won't cock anything up. It just dries faster. So if you add glaze medium and paint to a wash, it'll dry in about the same drying time that it would do normally. Uh, if you use thinner airbrush thinner to add to a wash, you'll get a couple of things happening. It will dry much faster because it's got alcohol in it and evaporates. Um, it will also be more watery, which sounds obvious, but part of the effect is it will you'll have a wash which stays on the raised areas less and goes to the recesses more. It does a couple of things. Your recess will be darker, so it's more like using an ink, uh, but also uh, you can get uncontrolled dripping a bit more because your mix is less gloopy. Uh, it is it is really useful though, and I'd if I'm making up a big like one of my painting palettes, wells of mix to do over an entire unit. Generally, there will at least be a couple of drops of thinner in there to stop things from getting too viscous. I like the way it makes paint behave. I've never tried that myself, but it's uh, something I'll, I'll definitely consider giving a go. I mean, I have actually I've not done it yet, but I have actually bought the stuff I need to do oil washes. Um, the reason I haven't really done it is because an oil wash is, if you're using acrylic paint, you have to seal the model before you do it, otherwise you will take the paint off. Which is devastating. Been yeah. There. Um, so you kind of got to use like a polyurethane gloss varnish is best. You can um, use purity seal if you're in a rush. Works quite well actually. No, so I've not tested it, but I would be a bit worried about not getting in the recesses. Yes. And then you you put the wash on, and then it it does weird things to the paint. Basically it's very different if you're spraying a large blocky tank in comparison to a yeah. overly three-dimensional, crazy trimmed Chaos Warrior. Yeah, exactly. So I would say that you'd be very if you're going to do this, then you need to really practice it and 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 look do a bit of research and stuff. But the basically the premise is is that the because it's oil based, the you don't get as less um, effect on the raised areas, it kind of goes straight to the recesses a lot, a lot better. It kind of flows yeah, a lot better. There's no surface tension. It just, it just, it'll, it'll, it'll shoot down, uh, it'll shoot down little panel lines or in recess or whatever. If you put a dot in one section and it's right at the bottom of a very obvious valley in a model, uh, your wash will just run straight to the other end without creeping up the edges of the model. It'll follow. Yeah. Oh, the contours really nicely. This is really good for like panel lining or anything like that. Um, what it also allows you to do is that you can actually manipulate the wash before you seal the model because basically it stays kind of you can put a bit of like white spirit or mineral spirit as they say in the US and take a little bit like a cotton bud or a Q-tip and um, just rub it off on the areas. So you like, oh, it's too much on that shoulder pad. I'll just I'll just take it off uh, and you're not. It doesn't dry so per se you can always manipulate it until it's been sealed with entirely a varnish. Ha- yeah exactly to entirely happy with it then you seal it with a varnish and, and it allows you to be really controlled on your wash of what you're doing so i'd say it's definitely uh definitely worth worthwhile giving that a go if if you want to experiment with washing yeah they are they are fantastic i really like that they're intimidating and people get worried about them but 
they're uh, they're very nice to use. One shortcut is AK Interactive do a load of premixed ones. Uh, they've got uh, they tend to be more for vehicle stuff because it's historical range or oh, tanks. Yeah. But um, they do some really really nice ones if you're looking to do oily coloured or or anything like that. They're quite nice. Again though, you still have to seal your models before using those. Yeah, because it's basically um, it goes all oh, acrylic paint. I'll just strip that off. <laughs> um, and then your your sort of your lovely painted model you've just gone oh shit how do you do that but I think that about wraps it up yeah for, for this show so it's kind of a bit of a hobby thing and focus on my bloodbound and that but so if you've got any hobby questions then just send them in we'll, um, we'll try and answer them might even do a video if we feel that ambitious fancy yeah alright well thanks Beautiful. for listening au revoir to make sure you don't miss out on any more Hammer to Your Face, subscribe to us on iTunes, add our RSS feed to your reader, and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>